Welcome to the Oakcrest podcast channel. Oakcrest School in Vienna, Virginia challenges girls in grades 6 to 12 to develop their intellect, character, faith, and leadership potential to thrive in college and throughout their lives. On today's podcast, history teacher Jenny Bowles speaks with theology teacher Marianne Messenger and former Oakcrest Director of Mentoring Kate Hadley about how to cultivate resilience in our daughters. They chat about how parents can model resilience for their children, how to walk the fine line between empathy and helping your child put things in perspective, and much more. Welcome, everybody. My name is Ginny Bowles. I teach history at Oakcrest, and I'm the sixth grade class dean. And I'm so excited to welcome Kate Hadley and Marianne Messenger, who are going to give us a podcast today about resilience. So resilience is a very trendy topic, I would say, in kind of the education world and even in the parenting world, but it seems that even though we talk a lot about resilience, there's still a lot to be learned. Um, So Kate and Marianne are here with us. Kate Hadley is the mother of 10 children. Four of them are Oakcrest alumni, including our current Dean of Students, Megan Hadley. And Kate worked at Oakcrest as the Director of Mentoring and Parent Support for 13 years. So we're very excited to have her and her experience and wisdom. And Marianne Messenger is the mother of five children, ages 12 to 23. She teaches theology at Oakcrest and is also the assistant to parent support. So we're also very grateful to have her wisdom. So Marianne, maybe you can start us off. Can you tell us what resilience is? Thanks, Jenny. So sure, when we're talking about resilience, It's by definition, the ability to withstand adversity and bounce back from difficult life events. It's an ability to recover from or adjust easily to change or some type of misfortune. That being said, it doesn't mean that people don't experience stress, emotional upheaval, or types of suffering, but it's how do we deal with these issues. Thank you, so bouncing back difficulties, challenges, how do, how we react to them. Okay, good. Exactly. So we want to hear from Kate and Marianne, how can parents help their daughters grow in resilience? And Kate, I remember having worked with you for several years, one of your lines that I've used a lot and has helped me a lot is you used to say to parents, stay off the roller coaster. So can you explain what that phrase means, stay off the roller coaster and how it relates to resilience? Sure, of course. Picture a graph with two horizontal lines. One is you with your emotions and your reactions, and the other is your daughter. So if, you, if these two lines are parallel and flat, you're delusional. <laughs> that is not the way life works with teenage girls. And so if you have, both of you have huge ups and downs, and it looks like a roller coaster, and you're just following along on her roller coaster, this is a recipe for disaster. (laughs) What we want is reality. She's going to be up and down, sometimes little ups, sometimes little downs, sometimes big ones. But you have to be flat-ish. Not realistic to be completely flat, but you have to be flat-ish. And then you're a stabilizing influence in her life. So staying off the roller coaster is kind of being detached from her emotions and not ignoring them, not making them belittle them or anything like that, but 
being detached from them so that you can be the person that she goes to um, for stability and reason. That's so helpful, Kate. So the kind of the, the steady influence while your daughter is going through all the ups and downs yeah. that are natural to being a teenage girl. Yeah. Marion, do you have any stories or examples of kind of staying off the roller coaster? Do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, exactly. Um, half the battle is, you know, in, in addition to what Kate said, is how we respond, okay, and the information that they receive from us. They look at our reaction, which can really easily dictate their own reaction. And one of the things that I think is really helpful is listening to them completely. Whatever they're struggling with just and, and they're talking to you about it, listening to them completely, but staying calm before we respond. And then when we respond, I remember this um, I remember this time when uh, my kids were really young. My sister came over to visit with her two daughters, and uh, they all went outside to play, and we're inside, and my sister's youngest daughter comes in. She was about six, and she comes in, and she is just hysterically crying. She's just a mess, and she goes up to her mom, and she says, Mom, Laura keeps sweeping my feet off with the big red broom. <laughs> Laura was her older sister. And she won't stop. And my sister just listened to her and listened to what she had to say, nodded and tilted her head. And she said, aw, did you thank her for keeping your feet clean? And, and Sarah just looks up at her and she sniffs and she pushes her hair back <laughs> out of her face and she says, no, I'll go thank her now. Oh. <laughs> and so, so much of that is how how my sister responded to her. Um, I also think that humor is huge. Just help your kids laugh at how bad things may be going. And if you approach it in that way, it kind of de-escalates it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you mm -hmm. keep it in perspective, like you could say they have this litany of things that have gone wrong and just looking at them and saying, okay, well, all you need now is your pen to explode in your book bag. <laughs> uh, my, my kids used to joke about um, presenting the scenario of the worst possible Sunday afternoon and they would just pile it on. They would say, you know, we have five hours of homework. It's pouring rain outside. It's freezing. We're having leftovers for dinner. Mm -hmm. The Washington football team is losing 57 to 3. <laughs> and, you know, they would just create this awful scenario because somehow it helped them get through it and know that it was temporary and that, um, and that there would be an end to it. But in reality, that humor can help you deal with the up and down of the roller coaster and just staying calm and thinking proactively instead of reactively. That's the thing. Your reaction, like you said, Marianne, determines whether an event or even an overall approach to life is formative or deformative. And I don't want to scare you, but you are always teaching. They're always watching. How did mom or dad react to this event? How did they bounce back? How did they deal with the failure? Um, I had an example recently of my son is a coach on a baseball team, a public school baseball team, and um, varsity. So we're talking 
you know, older kids. And they had an event that they had to participate in. And if they didn't, there would be a consequence. And he made the consequence be that they couldn't pick their baseball number, the jersey, the number that they wanted. And so, of course, everybody participated except for three seniors. And so when he told them the consequence, they seemed okay. But then one of them went home and told his mother, who went on the warpath and got the other two mothers involved. And I don't know whether the kids were okay with it really or if they just would have pushed through and been angry, but what the heck. But when the moms got involved, it became a huge deal. And the principal was involved and the AD was involved and he had to back down. And you have to ask, what did these boys learn? What did they learn about authority? What did they learn about disappointment? Um, You know, very, very small consequences can teach big lessons. So that's interesting because it seems that part of forming, helping a child form a resilient reaction to difficulty or adversity, a lot of it does depend. Sometimes the parent can take on the emotions even to more yeah, than the child yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's part yeah. of seeing off the roller coaster. Yes, it's not yes. just matching the child's emotions, but please don't <laughs> surpass them, which yes. can be hard. Yes. That can be difficult. Yes. Marianne, I wanted to go back to something that you had mentioned that, that um, listening to your children and that they need to feel listened to. Because one thing I can imagine being a concern is your daughter's come home crying. She's very upset about something. We're saying, parents, stay off the roller coaster, stay calm. Is it possible to have a child feel listened to without matching their emotions? Is that calmness, how can you both listen well and also be calm? Does a child feel empathized with? I really think so. Um, if she, if it, it keeps her calm and her mindset can immediately turn if she sees you're calm, if she sees that you're not, you know, overreacting or reacting in a way that she might have thought you, you would have initially reacted. So if she sees that you're calm and collected, it might send the message to her, okay, this might not be as big of a deal as I thought. And it also, you know, kind of neutralizes them and helps them not take themselves too seriously. Mm. They realize mm. that the situation is temporary and that, okay, mm-hmm. I can, I'm going to be able to get through this because if, you know, my parents are calm about it, I'm, I'm, it kind of reframes them to, to de-escalate. Mom doesn't see this as the end of the world, so Mary, therefore it might not be the end of the world. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. You're giving them the ballast, if you will. Yes, and that is a big thing, that if you um, are always asking them if they're okay or over-empathizing, you know, mm-hmm. really getting down in the weeds, you are actually giving them the message that they can't handle it. Mm. that they're broken, that they're not competent, that they're stupid, that they're, you know, Mm -hmm. inexperienced, and therefore that they need help. So it's a balance of giving that help. You know, we were saying resist the urge to fix it and ask questions, bounce it back to them, help them think through the solutions. So they're the ones who are um, coming up with ideas 
and and you're you're empathizing but you're not fixing it Mm -hmm. and brainstorm weigh options you know teach them that they have choices in how they act um I, I always hated it when, or still hate it when I watch a movie or a TV show about, I don't know, anything. And the character says, you know, I had no choice. I had to murder him. You know, <laughs> um, you, they do have choices and you're there to help them see that. And that is a very hopeful thing. And so you want to be empathizing, but hopeful, hmm. you know. So that reaction of calm steadiness that communicates that hope to them that they mm-hmm. can then latch on to to hand to face the difficult situation that they're facing right now. But this this might not be always the parent's natural tendency. When your daughter comes home crying, that's not pleasant for the parent. That's it's hard to keep that calm. You your heart probably does ache for your daughter who's hurt, whether it's something important are not important. So I guess that it is important for the parent to not get on the roller coaster if you want your daughter to grow in resilience, even though it might not be the natural tendency. And, and exactly. you have to, that means that you have to be resilient. So you have to, it, it's like that with all parenting. It's really annoying. <laughs> um, you can't just preach it. You have to model it. And how are you going to grow in resiliency? What does it mean to you? We had in our family three mottos that developed over the years, and um, they were mottos for my husband and I. And then we tried to, you know, put, give this to the kids. Um, the first one is this thing of hope: the best is yet to be. Mm-hmm. Take the long view. A hundred years from now, where are you going to be? Hope you hopefully you'll be in heaven. Uh, where's your daughter going to be? What's the, you know, the long view in this? Not, oh, you didn't get the baseball jersey, but, you know, what kind of a person are you going to be? Second motto we used a lot was a kind of a butchered version of a G.K. Chesterton motto. An inconvenience rightly considered is an adventure. So you want to approach things with a positive attitude. Okay, you know, like Marianne said, this Sunday, all these things went wrong and, and, you know, it's raining out. So what adventure can we have, you know, or I missed my flight or it was delayed. It's an inconvenience. What kind of an adventure can I have? Um, How can I turn this? And then lastly, it sounds kind of shallow, but that's us. (laughs) Um, Keep the party going. And this involves the sense of humor, and it also just means have a lot of fun with your kids. And we, we developed this motto um, when our children, when we had, when it was with our younger children, because by then I was really tired <laughs> after with 10 kids, and you're like, oh, golly, another Halloween costume. <laughs> you know, but you have to. You have to have fun, and you have to get in there and with both feet and just jump in in the deep end so that's great okay so the parents need to build up their own resilience to be able to help their daughters when their daughters are facing the difficulties Marion, do you have any how have you built your resilience parenting teenagers 
Um, okay, so I definitely see that as a necessity is parents building up that that resiliency. I'd say one of the things that's really helped me is definitely knowing that the situation is temporary mm. and that if we can just get our kids to ride the wave, so to speak, that they'll eventually end up on the shore, that they can get through it. And it's as parents, we keep that mindset. Okay, we know we're going to get through this. We know this upheaval is temporary. We know that, you know, in a couple days we'll have bounced back, we'll have mm. recovered, and, you know, you, you get further and further away from whatever the crisis or the situation is. I think that's really helpful as a parent to keep that mindset because we can also transmit that to our children. Also, another thing that has helped me is if I consult with a friend uh, or, or a really experienced parent, a spouse, grandparents, grandparents have been through it, they know, and they are, they're kind of a reality check. They help us keep things in perspective. Um, and discussing the situation to build from others' experiences or their temperaments, you know, it, you can really do it with your spouse as well. I recently had a situation with um, a sick child, fatigue, fever, and I was absolutely certain that they were dying of some life-threatening illness. And my husband's like, you know, no, they're fine. They'll, they'll recover. They'll be great. And, uh, and I was so nervous. And then, of course, two days later, hops out of bed, heads to school, all is good. Mm. So it was his reaction that really helped me calm down and realize, okay, maybe I'm, you know, kind of e exaggerating the situation, mm. but helps me keep it in check. And you do need resilience as a parent. You need a lot of virtues. You need fortitude. And so the child, you know, you're going to have to be, you and your spouse, the, the, the firm voice. And you're going to have to put up with being hated mm. and being yelled at and being cried at and you have to have this strength hmm. to bounce back from that. You know, you're going to be the one that your child comes in at 11 o'clock at night and dumps everything, usually while your spouse is asleep <laughs> next to you. And you're like, no, no, not 11 o'clock. But you have to have that strength of character to be able to pull yourself together to deal with this in a calm way and a reasonable way in a loving way. Um, and even when they're yelling at you, you know, my, one of my favorite lines to one of my sons was, I love you so much that I'm not going to let you watch TV or mm. I'm not going to let you go there. Or, you know, I'm, I'm going to make this be because I love you so much. And he would just look at me like, try a little bit less, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, so anyway, you, we do need this as parents and, and it can be very hard in the moment. You're like, I, I don't want to put up with this. I'm mm. tired. I don't want to um, have my Friday night ruined. But you got to. That's mm. what being a parent is. Right, right. It's kind of sticking with it. And you know that if you just hold the line. It You're taking you the long view. It. You're thinking, yeah. okay, 20 yeah. years from now, where are we going to be? Exactly. And I will tell you that I've had children come back. And usually it's about six months into college. And they come back and they say, 
thank you for your parenting. And they also say thank you for sending us to the schools you did. Mm. And it's been their first exposure to being in a really different atmosphere. And, you know, they see it then. (laughs) One son even wrote me a poem about it (laughs) when we went to see him his first time in college. But um, that was a little unusual. That's fantastic, though. Shows their resilience that they developed in the years growing up. Yeah, so I guess holding strong as a parent when your child's complaining or crying or that if you're trying to help them be able to face challenges and stick it through, you've got to face your own challenges sometimes in dealing with them. Um, Good. So, So we've covered kind of the parent's resilience. Stay off the roller coaster. React to her emotions with calm, how how that models for her that this is not the end of the world, that she has the tools to get through it. Your own resilience as a parent. Um, can we talk a little bit about the child herself, the teenager? How, what tools can you give her? What kind of coping mechanisms can you give a teenager so that she, so that the teenager can start building resilience? Marianne, do you have any coping strategies you pass to your children? So I look at it as my job as a parent to help them get through the struggle, to tackle it head on. And this can be through teaching them coping mechanisms and setting an an example of staying calm. When I say coping mechanisms, that might be, uh, you know, say they come in and they're completely out of sorts and they're just, you know, a mess. Help them calmly get organized. Okay, what is it? What, what is your biggest concern? What is your biggest fear right now? What, what is stressing you? And sometimes you can whiteboard it. At our house, we have these, these small whiteboards. And um, you can, if it's, if it's homework and projects and sports, whatever, whiteboard a schedule. Write it out um, with time slots. So if this happened at our house. Somebody came home, was you know, a mess because of so much work. And we just laid it out together. Okay, from you know 4:30 to 5:10, you're gonna do your math homework. From 5:10 to 5:20, you can have a break, grab a snack. From 5:20 to 6 o'clock, you're going to do your history. And from 6 o'clock to 6:30, we'll have dinner. And just laying it out, then they can visualize it and see it, and they know, all right, I can mm-hmm. I can handle that. I'll get a break. I'll have dinner, you know, I can make it to my sports practice and, and they visualize it and then they can kind of bring it with them to their desk and, and I think it becomes more manageable. Like you, Kate, with your son's poem. I did not have someone write me a poem, <laughs> but one time we did that one evening, just whiteboarded the schedule and, um, and they came down later on and said, thank you so much for whiteboarding that. It, Mom, it just made it so much easier. It just wasn't as bad as I thought. And and, and that really happened. Mm. They recognized, okay, this, isn't, this really isn't bad. Um, I can get through this. Another, uh, another coping mechanism, say they get in the car, they're a mess, just I have so much to do, and that has happened with me. I drive straight to McDonald's. I'm, I say go in and get an ice cream, Aww. a treat, um, or... 
you know, while they're doing their homework, bring them, you know, a candy bar, something that helps them get through it. A milkshake can cure a lot. It definitely helps de-escalate, you know, their their situation. Um, and and you know, especially if they've had a bad day. You know, they've lost their shin guards for soccer. The fish died the weekend before. A huge test is coming up. A lot of homework. This is this is kind of when you jump in with that, you know, that treat or ice cream, and then that then it kind of de-escalates the situation and helps them realize, okay, this is this is a calming effect, and and again, it's that humor, it, putting that humor into it when when they're going through the litany of things that they have to do. It's okay, is this, you know, how are you possibly going to survive this? How are you possibly going to survive losing your shin guards? Every future decision <laughs> is based on the fact that you have lost your shin guards. It's adding that humor, and then they kind of will smirk and be mm. like, okay, it's, I guess it's not such a big deal. Get them to laugh a little bit. Yeah, we would say, like, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, you lost it. So that means you can't play today. That means you won't get seen by the scout, so you won't make it into college on a scholarship. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you might have to work during college. <laughs> Does that mean, you know, so maybe you won't be able to go to such and such a college? And then, you know, I mean, you just play it out to the ridiculous. Mm. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Because teenagers have a tendency to do one of two things. They either say, oh, I have a 15-page paper due on Sunday, you know, on Monday. Sunday night, I'll start it then. Or they say, I have a 15-page paper due in a month. I'll never do it. Oh, my gosh, this is horrible. I'll never get to it. So they, they tend to exaggerate, and you're trying to help them see how silly that is and ridiculous and be reasonable about things. Um, and memories of other times. Well, remember in third grade, you couldn't memorize that poem, mm. but then eventually you did. And now you're in seventh grade and you're being asked to memorize a monologue for, you know, a Shakespeare monologue. You can do it because you did this. Mm. You know, so memories of what they have already done. And then I know, um, I think treats are a fantastic idea, Marianne. Also distraction. Mm. Just distract from the situation. Go outside. You know, go run around the block. Go um, get your get some physical energy out. Go call your grandmother. Think about someone besides yourself. Hmm. Try and distract from what the individual problem is at the time. You know, um, that was also something that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Kind of getting that I think that's helpful for all of us is when we're kind of overwhelmed by our own problems a great way out is think of someone else call your grandmother ask her how she's yeah. doing that's yeah. beautiful especially to give mm -hmm. to a teenager who teenagers can be very self-absorbed get yeah. them out yeah. and then it lifts them above whatever's yeah. weighing them down Marian I remember it's kind of going off of when you talk about the McDonald's ice cream cone I remember when I was a freshman in high school um, it was a Friday afternoon. All of the you know boys and girls were at the park. We were picking teams for the volleyball game, and I didn't get picked. It was super embarrassing. It was mortifying. It was hurtful that everyone got picked, and I was one of the last ones. And it was, yeah, it was really upsetting. So I remember definitely coming home crying, sitting on the sofa with my mom. I didn't get picked today, and all the boys picked all the cute girls, and I wasn't one of them. And 
I remember my mom just hugging me, letting me cry. And then the next day, she took me out. We had a girls' day, just the two of us. It's kind of that same idea of the ice cream cone is just give them that treat, kind of, and that how affirming that was. And I remember she did not kind of descend into, she didn't talk very much. She just let me cry and hugged me. She didn't say, you poor thing, I can't believe that happened. And she didn't say, those mean boys who didn't pick you, I'm going to call their mothers. There was actually no discussion of the event or the problem or what we were going to do going forward. She just let me cry. And the next day she did something fun with me. Mm-hmm. And that really kind of helped me realize, oh, who cares if those people don't include me? My mom loves me. Right. And we're, mm-hmm. I'm happy again. It was very restorative. And I've thought about that a lot of sure. her reaction of not kind of getting down with me, but just in some ways distracting and saying, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mm-hmm. perpetuate mm-hmm. the issue. It doesn't just, you know, kind yeah. of wallow in it. And I'm sure that was helpful to her and to you to both, you know, just move forward, move on. Okay. That's, that's behind me. And, you know, and also it's, or it, well, we talk about these, these little coping mechanisms, you know, it's, it's making that distinction between, okay, I'm going to, you know, bribe you to do your homework. It's, <laughs> no, it's just, here's a little, here's a little, like, treat. Just right. go get started. Or here's some time I'm going to spend with you. Or the distraction mm-hmm. or something that just really helps kind yeah. of just de-escalate that, that heightened um, reaction. Right. And, and it also, when things, it can be even a really tough situation. It could be... A, a, you know, a friend issue or something that's a, a little bit more, to your point, you know, hurtful. I've, I've always found another coping mechanism is, you know, getting them to look forward to something, mm-hmm. you know, something that can get them through a tough time. Um, lots of homework or a friend issue. You know, you can just say to them, listen, Friday's coming. We mm. have a fun weekend planned. Why don't you have a friend over that you haven't gotten to know very well or somebody you want to know better We'll get pizza. We'll watch a movie, um, and and then that's in their mind. Okay, I can you know I can get to the end of the week. But you know what's kind of funny, Marian? I can imagine you saying that, but I can imagine the kid being like, not showing you huh. that what you're saying is having an effect. Right. You know, kind of like, Ugh. and you know, she's telling me to look forward to the weekend, but it's you know, her face is saying. She's a dweeb, and I don't want to listen to anything. But it's going in. It's going in. Your reaction is going in. So don't be upset when you don't see them say, you're right, Mom. I was wrong, and I should just be very happy about this. They're not going to say that. But you know, they're listening. But they they're are. Listening. They it's are. sinking in. That's yes. helpful. In the back yes. of their mind. Okay. Yes. All right. This can help me get through it. I, you know, I can, there's something that I can look forward to. But e- yeah, even if they're not expressing it, that <laughs> yeah. Not it. even if, when they aren't. <laughs> yeah. And Kate, I like your point again of, and remind them of when they've done this before. Kind of tap into their own memories. I think that's building their yeah. own coping yeah. skills yeah. of, which they're going to have to do later, of remembering, hey, I've had a tough experience before this. I got through it by this. I'll get through it again. So it's giving them something to look forward to. It's reminding them that you've gotten through this in the past. It's the momentary, this is okay. You know, I love you. We're going to do this together. This is not the end of the world. 
that they don't and like we're you. gonna when you say we're gonna do this together again i go back to resisting the urge to fix it though that's true mm-hmm. so we're gonna do it together but you're taking the lead and i'm your support person and i will help you brainstorm i will help you um whiteboard it and all that but you're the one that has to come up with the solutions and figure out how what to do um I am not going to step in and keep you from having the consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, you forgot your lunch. Okay, I will help you by, we will figure out a method in the evening so you remember where to put your lunch. But I'm not going to run it up to the school. You know, um, you forgot your coat and you were cold after school. I know in the old days they used to think getting cold made you sick, but it doesn't. <laughs> Viruses and germs do. Um, so if they are cold, oh, well, you know, they didn't bring their sweater and they weren't allowed to wear their fleece during the day and they were chilly. Okay. (laughs) It's okay. Um, you will remember, and I will help Mm. you by helping you plan your evening where to put it, you know, so don't, um, don't step in too fast. Mm -hmm. Another, I think another really good one is, Okay, you're having an issue with a teacher, and you need to talk to her, or the child needs to talk to her, (laughs) and so don't you be the first line. Eventually, maybe you do need to speak with the teacher, but let the child take the first line, whether it's the mentor or the teacher, and be the, take the first advance. I'm going to, you know, go tell your teacher, I think I actually got this right on the test and you marked it wrong. That is so scary for kids to go for, to speak to adults, especially middle schoolers. But if you look at Oakcrest students, by the time they get to college, they are so comfortable dealing with adults. We hear all the time about how they go and speak to their professors and um, in college. And many professors will say, kids never come to my office mm-hmm. hours. But they're being proactive and going and talking to them before there's an issue because they are very comfortable dealing with adults. Visitors to Ocrest say that constantly. The girls look you in the eye. They approach you. They're, you know, open houses. And these are not just the extroverted girls. These are all the girls. Mm. Okay, so we want to teach that very early in middle school. Speaking to an adult um, is only scary the first time. Mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and when they come in but she hates me <laughs> the teacher the teacher hates me the teacher doesn't hate her we're all adults here and that is not how it works so you have to help them have the courage encourage them to do it so they're talking to the teacher themselves sometimes you might end up having to go in but not the first line of defense yeah exactly it helps them build that um, ability to self-advocate absolutely mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. in, it's important enough to them and and that they they continue to develop that ability to self-advocate so you need to help them face their fears kind of build them up yes. to overcome yes. some fears build them yes. up to get through things that are uncomfortable that i forgot yes. my lunch i forgot because yes. from there they're going to learn they're building a bank of tools for which they can face yes. the bigger challenges and they'll even be adventurous and try new things whether it's you know a a new team or a sport or going out for the play and you know that's the kind of thing that you want them to try go visit aunt so-and-so on an airplane by yourself 
for a week. Um, go take the metro downtown and meet your friends at the real mall, not the shopping mall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, that kind of thing. You're, you're teaching them to go out of themselves. It's that it's that thought that confidence builds confidence. Yes, and yes. It, you know, it, to your point, it's possible. possible you you know start early on giving your daughters an opportunity for responsibility. Yeah. So can actually we let's talk a little bit. So I think f- so far we've talked about when she comes home crying, what do you do? The tools that you're giving her, the staying off the roller coaster, your own calm reaction, but. Are there ways to prepare a teenager to be resilient kind of before before it is actually required of her? How do you do that, lay that groundwork? What's the conditioning for resilience yeah. before yeah. the actual crisis and the tears? So, yeah, just um, to reiterate that, that thought that confidence builds confidence. If possible, it's starting to give them uh, – a, a responsibility, something that they take ownership of. Give your daughters a, a, a chance to, if you're at the store, say, or you're at some strip mall, you're telling them, I have to run into the drugstore. Can you go into Giant and buy some milk and bread and I'll meet you back at the car? Um, or can you cook dinner on Tuesday? Just decide what you'd like to fix and we'll grab the ingredients at the store. I remember there was one time that um, I, we went to a strip mall. I had to run into the drugstore, but I needed something from the grocery store. And I did just that. I went into the store, and my son went into the grocery store, and he, we met back at the car. And I'll never forget, he says, Mom, I counted the change because I just wanted to make sure they didn't rip me off because I was young. And <laughs> I was like, nobody's going to rip you off. But it was so um, it, it was so edifying for him to have that responsibility. Because you had confidence in his ability. He took his cue hmm. from you. Exactly. Says, oh, I can do this, you know. Exactly. And I, I, I've also found that asking their opinion on something and then implementing their opinion. So knowing that that you're you're asking them that you're really taking it seriously. It shows that you value their contribution. For example, you know, what should we get grandma for her birthday? What should That's we have great. for dinner tonight? Um, should we paint your bedroom? And then whatever feedback they give you, actually implementing it. Mm-hmm. Um, or also I found if they share something that they've learned at school, engage with them about learning it yourself. You know, oh, mm-hmm. hey, I didn't know that. So what happens with that? Ask them a question that you, you don't know the answer to, but they might. Uh, I had a, an incident just recently where um, where they were learning about the Chesapeake Bay and that the bottom of the bay was covered in oysters, you know, thousands of years ago, and I had no idea. And so I just started asking questions. How did, you know, what happened to the oysters? How did they, you know, get boats through? And And they were just so happy to share information with me that I didn't know. And, and that I was asking questions that I wanted to learn. And it gave them this sense of confidence. Mm. You trusted um, them. You know, trust, it sounds like, you know, um, whether they'll lie or something, but that's not it. No, you're trusting that they can handle things mm-hmm. and that they have intelligence and that they will 
figure things out and that they know things right. and that they're competent. Yeah, and that their judgment is sound. Judgment so sound, is sound that even their mother yes. can lean on it. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah. And then they know they can lean on their own judgment for these difficult times. Yeah, that somebody, okay, that, that, that I have, my contributions are valued and yeah. that I can I can own this. I know something. And it and that can lend itself also to finding opportunities to to earn their own money, you mm-hmm. know, dog walking, mm-hmm. babysitting, mm-hmm. watering a neighbor's plants. These little jobs can totally help build up their confidence, and and they just they it, it helps their them another, build their another remote preparation, if you will, that um, I I like to do is. I, you know, let them suffer. <laughs> this really means delayed gratification for most of them. That's the, the hardest it would ever get probably. But if there is an opportunity for them to um, be uncomfortable, um, let, that, let that happen. Don't try to step in and fix those kinds of uncomfortable things. So for example, I was recently subbing for one of the classes that's reading the book, The Chosen. And um, the teacher did a wonderful job coming up with questions that she wanted the girls to think about and answer. And I don't know if you've ever read that book, but one of the fathers in that book wants to teach his son empathy and compassion. He's a very brilliant kid, and he takes a very unorthodox way to do it. And it's a little bit unsettling for the kids. So you ask, I, I was asking the kids, should parents let their children suffer or cause them to suffer? And of course they were like, no way, that's horrible. No, of course not. And I said, well, let, let me explain what I mean by suffering. It's really rather benign. Mm-hmm. In, my, in my kitchen in the summer, when I had all these kids at home, we would, quote, close the kitchen from 9 to 12. So you had to finish breakfast by 9. You couldn't start lunch by 12. If I was in a good mood, I might set out a snack at Mm -hmm. 10.30. But basically, I couldn't handle all the dishes and the food, et cetera. So that was our rule. We were saying no food between 9 and 12. Well, these girls looked at me like, I had just suggested waterboarding. <laughs> I mean, it was insane. Like, no way. But that's horrible, you know. And I'm like, well, I think delay, you know, it's delayed gratification. It's like waiting for something and, you know, you'll get it, but you just have to grow in a little bit of fortitude before you get that. And there's so many opportunities that we can um use like earning the money mm-hmm. like you said Marianne big one yeah um, yeah that can help and it it it's these opportunities that opportunities, es- especially yes. related to um delayed gratification it will it totally builds that virtue of of patience of there's so many virtues that can develop from that just okay I'm not I'm not going to get what I want immediately. I'm going to have that patience. I'm going to have that fortitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it can and it can manifest itself in many ways, but it's and that's that's part of this developing not only the resilience, but the virtues that accompany that resilience because it's possible. And so much of it depends on 
our reactions and that we have the ability to dictate their reactions and giving them the confidence, yes, this is totally doable. We're going to get through this. You know, we're and when they experience from it. discomfort, then they develop their own problem-solving skills. Mm-hmm. They, they figure out, well, how do I get out of this situation, you know? <laughs> um, and the other thing I was thinking was, don't take away all their sadness or don't feel bad when they're sad sometimes. Sadness builds empathy. If you have experienced sadness, you can understand it in other people. And, you know, obviously this is not deep, deep sadness. But, you know, so they have a friend does something like you, Mm -hmm. happened to you, Jenny. You know, um, it's a sad thing, but then it will help them the next time maybe not be mean to the mm-hmm. next exactly. girl. <laughs> exactly. That human suffering brings about compassion. Exactly. And it exactly. can, it, you know, it can last, it, you know, the, in the long haul. It, they can use it. I think also it's important to um, let them see you fail because you recover and you change and you found ways out and that you really believe, now, and you got to examine yourself on this, do you really believe that trying is more important than success? Hmm. You have to get that across to them because they really see success in a very material, worldly way. And you have to really, truly believe trying is more important. And if you can get that across to them, they will be resilient and be adventurous and all those kinds of things. And that we believe that if there are failures that failures help you grow and there's just no doubt they help you grow Mm -hmm. and that we as parents are not just raising them to enjoy the comforts of life Mm. that we're not trying to insulate them from any struggle or suffering because you know then you just have a a whole new set of you know concerns and issues on your hands that that's that's not the goal Um, One last thing that I'm just, I have to get in because it's my little thing. Um, A remote preparation, and it seems like how could this be for resiliency? But I really believe it is. Assign chores. Listen to a podcast from, I forget if it was 2020 or 2021, with Terry Collins and myself on the Oakcrest Parent Support page. We talk about how chores are so important teaching them and then letting them do it my proudest moment as a mother and i this is true um one of my sons went to a sleepaway camp he was about eight or nine the counselor was probably 15 or 16 and he was given the chore of sweeping out the cabin every morning and one day the counselor said to him do you know why i gave you that chore He's like, no, because <laughs> you hate me. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no, because I knew that you come from a good family and you're going to know how to sweep. And I'm like, yes, he knows how to sweep. He is going to go far in the world. And <laughs> I read a, an article years ago in Reader's Digest about men who had, quote, succeeded in the world. And they examined all different kinds of things like, you know, were they from broken families or not? Were they educated well or not? Um, did, were they wealthy or not? And the only common denominator that they found was that they had had chores. 
So I can't emphasize it enough. I kind of get on my little soapbox about it, but teach them how to do them and then let them do them. And it builds great confidence. Mm. <laughs> Marianne, this kind of goes back to one of the example you were giving about having them earn their own money. When you have a responsibility, whether it's a chore, a little job of taking out the neighbors, walking the neighbor's dog, you're going to make mistakes at some point in holding that responsibility and then learning how to deal with, uh-oh, I forgot to take out the dog. Now I need to call the neighbor and say that I forgot. So that lends itself to facing challenges in mm -hmm. a small, in some ways, yeah, sure. know, safe situation exactly. because mm -hmm. eventually it's going to be much harder and you need to have had that experience and you learn Absolutely. from mistakes and failures, but you need to be given responsibility to exercise those scenarios. Exactly, and then that can also dictate how you handle it in the future. Mm -hmm. That very situation happened at our house when one of my children was responsible for watering the neighbor's plants <laughs> when they were away for um, summer vacation. And a day was skipped, a day, a day and a half. And that definitely <laughs> affected newly planted hydrangeas. Oh, no. And so, uh, <laughs> so it, there, my, it was my youngest son. He was so concerned. And he says, he, he owned it. He was like, I'm just going to say, you know, I missed a day and I can buy a new hydrangea plant. But then the, the neighbor was so accommodating mm. and understanding. But man, that following summer. She asked him again, and he never missed a day. Aww. He was back over there in the but evening. Isn't it wonderful that she asked him again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She was. It was fabulous because mm. she knew, and you know. Also, she she says it might not have been the fact that he missed a day. It could have been you know the fertilizer. But he thought it, and then but the next time it was he was checking on those plants. Day and night, because he just yeah. wanted to make sure that you know it was that experience that helped him, you know, embrace it again and yeah, and tackle yeah. it. Yeah, so many. Wow, this has been great, Kate and Marianne. Thank you so much. Of it's so resilience is basically many virtues packed into one word: perseverance, patience, courage, cheerfulness. It requires virtue to live it. And as you're living it, you're going to be living a life of virtue, uh, which many people are going to depend on you for. So, But it really does, so much of it comes from the parents, how the parents react, how the parents teach. Um, and it's it pays so many dividends through life. So it's very important. So thank you so much for sharing your insights, your fun. stories, your wisdom. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Jenny. Great. Thank you so much.